If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey, beautiful human. Welcome back. This is In the Details and I'm your host, Karen Allen. I am so happy to be with you all today. Listen, so much has been going on in my world and things just keep moving at a rapid pace. Like, do you feel me? Are you also feeling like life is moving at a rapid pace? And then there's always something that's like coming to challenge my growth as well. And then I find that in the midst of all things busy, I have a break and I have these wonderful conversations with some amazing guests. And it's like, it's like a little retreat center for me to be on here recording and talking to such beautiful humans, including my guest today, Pamela Zapata, who is the founder and CEO. CEO of Society 18, an agency, actually a talent agency that promotes and ensures the diversity and inclusion of influencer marketing, the creators who are out there, the talent who's out there, who we see on a day-to-day basis on so many different ads or some of our favorite brands. And then we start to see these familiar faces. These are talented individuals who need representation. And I am so happy to hear, Pamela, that you are someone who has decided to stand at the forefront and say, hey, I can help you navigate these choppy and uncertain waters, which is what influencer marketing feels like. But Pamela, thanks so much for being here. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And that was such a great introduction. (laughs) I really appreciate the kind words. It's so interesting when, you know, I go back and think about the things that I've done. They just felt like things that I had to do. And I don't, sometimes I forget to look at the impact that they've had on our clients and just even society overall. So I really appreciate that refresher. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, yes, man. Sometimes we get into our work and to your point, we lose sight of certain things, but it's good to be grounded in the reason why we started because that I think is the most like, bare naked truth of why we do what we do, because something jolted us and helped us, pushed us, pulled us, whatever it felt like into taking a huge leap of faith, especially as an entrepreneur. But before we get to maybe what that pivotal moment was like for you, what were some of the things that you, I don't know, ventured out in, in your work that maybe has helped and has led you to where you are today? Like, what is your background? How did you decide to even create this agency that specifically supports women, people of color uh, in this influencer space? What's your background? So I'll start at the beginning. Well, not the very beginning, but my professional career where it kind of started was uh, I went to college, I went to Emerson College, studied broadcast journalism with a minor in marketing, uh, really loved storytelling. I was just interested in people's story, which is why journalism really resonated with me. And then the marketing piece, um, my minor was in marketing, PR and advertising, just understanding consumer behavior and how people you know, consume content and just like the marketing landscape overall and really studying that. Uh, from there, I moved to LA. I worked in production and talent relations and casting, started my career at Ryan Seacrest Productions, working in development. So I knew that journalism was something I was interested in, but it was very heavy. And so I was still interested in people and their stories. So I thought, you know, development of TV shows was something that, you know, would be fascinating for me to work in. So I worked at Ryan Seacrest for two years. From there, I went to work at E Entertainment, where I worked in talent and casting. 
for about four years. And that was really interesting because that was around the time that influencer marketing really started to kind of pick up and make a lot of noise where our talent initiatives shifted. And instead of looking for traditional talent to support certain initiatives, we were looking for content creators and influencers that had their own social platform that could bring an audience over to our platform. So that's kind of where the idea was started kind of, uh, I would say like boiling in my, in my mind. I'm like, all right, there's something here. Uh, after I left E, I went to work at a management company where we focused specifically on influencers for a couple of months, which really, really piqued my interest. And then from there, I went to a startup where I essentially created their entire influencer network. And so that was really fascinating for me because I think working at these bigger corporations was great experience to kind of give me Uh, insight as to what the bigger picture looks like and this huge world as it pertains to like, you know, TV, linear, broadcast, but then getting into like the digital space and realizing how it was really evolving and growing and, you know, musically was taking off, which is now TikTok, but it was at the beginning of that platform really kind of becoming what it is now. And so working at that startup really gave me the kind of experience that I, and that I needed to really understand like how to build something from nothing which is harder to do at these bigger corporations that have processes in place. So these two experiences were very valuable to me in different uh, capacities. But from there, I moved to New York. Uh, I worked at a marketing agency called UEG, where I was overseeing influencer uh, marketing partnerships, strategy, negotiations, contracting for Unilever brands. So it was a lot of personal care brands, uh, Dove, Suave, Tresemme. Uh, So a lot of body care, skincare. And then from there, I went to an agency called Star Power, where I was overseeing the Estee Lauder account. So went from personal care to beauty. So just understanding the marketing strategy behind, you know, what it takes to market a a lotion versus like a $40 mascara or a $40 foundation uh, at a higher price point. There are some $40 mascaras out there too. We know. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I haven't bought a $40 mascara, so I'm not really sure, but I know that foundations can be $40, $50 to $60. So just understanding the consumer journey. So like, I think after working at these two marketing agencies uh, on different parts of the business, I realized that there was one thing that was still in common was that two things actually. One was that it was very hard for me to cast sometimes for uh, specific campaigns that the creators that were being presented to us by different management agencies were a lot of the same creators, right? Like finding truly diverse creators as it pertains to, you know, skin color, hair textures, religion, like I wasn't seeing that much diversity in terms of the talent that was being presented. And then the second piece is that when we did find talent that we wanted to work with, a lot of the creators that were negotiating with me were coming in way lower when they were presenting their rates compared to their counterparts. And so a lot of times that's because they were self-representing and didn't understand their value, didn't understand what they could be charging. And it's because a lot of these agencies just didn't see them as someone that could maybe be a part of their roster. Which brings me to why I started <laughs> Society 18 was to fill that void and provide a solution for the problem that I encountered because I knew that if I was struggling to cast for these campaigns and I was seeing the pay disparity and the, the gap that was being presented that other people were seeing that as well. And so I did the scariest thing ever and I quit my job and I started the agency. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest thing ever for sure. <laughs> like- it's how can it be both scary and fulfilling? I mean, two things that are polar opposite can definitely be true at the same time. Wouldn't you agree? A hundred percent. And I think at that time I was working so hard, you know, agent, I was working at an agency in New York where if anyone has ever worked at any marketing agency in New York, you're no, you're working like a dog, right? You're working mornings, nights, weekends, like 
I, and I love the work that I was doing, but I didn't feel fulfilled. And I felt like if I would be, if I'm doing this many hours a week, I'd rather be doing them, doing something that I'm super passionate about and making an impact in a different way. And so, yeah, I quit and it was terrifying. And, you know, my goal when I quit was just to do something that was more fulfilling, but also just like be able to pay my bills and like pay my rent. And, you know, coming from, you know, I'm a first generation American, I'm a woman of color. I didn't have any resources to tap into. I didn't have anyone who could tell me how to file my LLC or to hire an accountant or to hire an attorney or what that process would look like or how to put together a business plan. Like I just kind of, I followed my passion and, you know, I did start consulting some creators on the side before I actually quit hard, you know, which I think is important to do. You know, start, start your side hustle before you just quit your job and follow your dreams. I would say that because then you can kind of figure out, all right, I knew that I was making X amount of money with like three clients on a consulting basis. If I tripled or doubled that, what would that look like revenue wise? Could I at least cover my expenses? Right. So I would say that's some, a big piece of advice I would give to anyone who's looking to venture out on their own is to figure out what does that look like? What's going to be fulfilling? And then from there, it is hard to quit your very stable job, especially when you know, you're know you on a track to hit your revenue, your you know income and your title and all these goals that we set for ourselves throughout our career where I want to be a VP. I want to have this title. I want to make this salary. I want to have this bonus. I want to have the corner office with the view. You know, I had my eye on that for so long. And then I realized that that wasn't going to really make me happy. And that maybe doing something a little bit more impactful, helping women and creators that look like me, uh, helping them create a business that was sustainable, uh, just by the knowledge that I had from negotiating all these deals on the other end. And so that's what I did. Yes. I feel like a lot of people who ultimately take that jump, take that leap of faith. It's because they start to weigh it out exactly as you just mentioned, right? It's like, okay, I can see this path forming ahead of me, but I also can feel like it's not fulfilling. So then what is fulfilling? You start that like exploration, right? What does my soul really want? What kind of impact do I want to make in this world? And some of us are not as fortunate to be able to, I I was one of these where I, I didn't have a little bit of runway on my side hustle before I was terminated actually from my previous job, but I still knew that what was leading me to create something in this world was completely based out of my gifts and experience, right? My gifts and my experience. And then that it was like molded into a way to serve. But one of the things that kept getting, I think in my way, as I was building this business was having to shed a lot of the corporate mindset that I had been brought up in a lot of the bureaucracy, you know, some of the inefficiencies that come with working in such a large organization and takes forever to make decisions and get things done. (laughs) And, and sometimes even, you know, working within very specific hours like that. No, it's not a nine to five because sometimes I'm can work, you know, 10 to 12, but then I come back to it later. Anyway, I just realized it was a lot of unlearning on this journey. Did you find it hard to also shed some of that like corporate mindset and mentality as you were starting to create your own? A hundred percent. What I took as valuable, I, I think it was valuable having that corporate mindset though. Because I've worked for, I've worked from like the biggest corporate. I mean, when I was at E, it's under NBC Universal, and it was a great organization. And there's so many things that I valued from that experience. And then I worked at a startup where it was very nitty gritty. And there's so many things that I value about that experience. 
But what I decided to do is kind of take the best from both worlds and kind of create my own culture. Whereas like as as frustrating as the corporate environment was, it led to meeting really great people in my industry that I still have great relationships with. And for me, that's where I was like, all right, having a strong team and a team of you know, our team is all women. We're woman run, women operated, all diverse backgrounds. And I feel like my team is one of my favorite parts of what I do. What I do is why I do what I do, because I feel like we've established such a little community and we can rely on each other. And that came from working at an organization that I loved that was very corporate, but still fostered an environment where people could build relationships because we were kind of all in it together. And so that was really valuable for me. And then bringing the startup experience where I was able to create something and have ownership over something and see it grow and directly have an impact on certain parts of the business, Mm -hmm. which I find very valuable and really insightful. So I try to give that to my team where I empower them to create, you know, if they want to bring in new talent, let's look at their social channels. Let's look at their revenues. If you want to take that risk and bring on that talent that maybe doesn't have, you know, XYZ coming in, but you can see the long-term play, like the long-term goal. Let's do that. And I want to empower them to see that. And I want them to feel like they can make a decision when it comes to, you know, the type of talent that we can bring on and where their career goes within our organization. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about where you are today, you have to also pull from your past experiences, right? It's not about separating them and just like letting them go. Even the worst experience you can learn something from and bring into your world today and use it for good. Like I I think about what a great opportunity it was for you in seeing this, I don't know, deficit in representation of the true diversity of this world and, and being able to speak to that. I remember seeing this TikTok and there is this girl and I love her so much for doing this. So she was doing a beauty tutorial, I think is what she ended up doing, but it started off as a call out to the beauty industries. And so she, she's dark complexion and she got the darkest complexion makeup from various makeup lines. I don't know. We'll say like in Target or something. I don't know, but she went, she wasn't going for the expensive brand. She was going for like the everyday, right? Because most people, as we were kind of joking about earlier, we're not paying 40 or $50 for a foundation, right? Give me a solid $8 foundation. We're good. I'm fine. (laughs) And so that's what she was showing was like the, this is what you call your line of beauty, your diverse line of beauty. And so what she did was she started marking them all on her face. And every time she said, this is not inclusive, this is not inclusive. This is not inclusive until she got to the brands that were more inclusive. And it really stopped me to think about, wow, in every single area of life, we really need to have some sort of inclusivity check, right? Like we really need, just because that's what we have seen or what we've been exposed to. And, and I love seeing it even when I'm looking at like an old Navy or a target ad or something, right? Where you're seeing people Mm -hmm. all shapes and sizes and I'm six feet tall, solid six feet tall, right? But normally (laughs) they will cast women at like five, eight or five, nine, because the men might be six feet. Like, no, can we see a tall woman next to a short man? What's wrong with that? Right. But the point is whether it is skin tone, whether it is stature, you know, all of these differences, is they literally make up humanity. So why would we not show every part of like this beautiful mosaic? And, and I loved her call out. She's like, nope, not inclusive. Not even in the beauty line, not inclusive. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it takes, I think in the last couple of years, we're so much more aware of that, where I feel like people weren't really talking about it. We were kind of accepting things as they were. And then 
the last couple of years, and I mean, look what, like, I mean, Fenty Beauty, even what she, what Rihanna did, which was so out of this world at that time, which seemed to be so out of this world, which really wasn't doing anything outside of just representing what women look like, what women want, all bodies, all shapes, all sizes, all skin tones, all hair types, hair textures. Like it shouldn't have been as loud as it was, but we, we needed that to say, oh, wait. And now everyone's trying to get on that bandwagon and try to include all the shades and all types of women. And it's like, we should have been doing this, but Mm -hmm. you know, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And we need people like you who are able to facilitate that education, right? And to connect those dots or or the people to the opportunities in this case, in this business structure, which which I love. But real quick back to business, hard parts of the business, again, sometimes can accelerate our growth. What would you say was a challenging moment in building the, the agency that wasn't just a challenge, but actually turned into a great opportunity or even just something that did propel you forward? Yeah. So I would say last year was probably one of the hardest years in my life. And also one of the most profitable years for the company. We hit a milestone in terms of revenue that I had never imagined. Like I never really wrapped my head around it because I was so stuck in the weeds and so stuck doing so many different jobs because, you know, lack of resources. I didn't understand. All right. What does my cash flow look like? Can I actually hire, you know, a director or an attorney or an accountant? Like, how I was just in it. I was just in the work. But in that, I was working probably 12 to 14 hour days every day, weekends, nights. I mean, all my vacations, I was bringing my computer, family vacations, I was bringing my computer, wasn't really dating, had no social life, wasn't eating, wasn't working. Like there was no sense, there was no balance, right? It was a grind. It was every single day was a grind. I was very happy in seeing the success that our clients were seeing in terms of their rev hitting, surpassing the revenue goals we had even thought, right? Uh, but I also, there was no balance for me, but it was just a grind time, right? So it was the hardest year, but it was also the most insightful year because I realized that we could hit these milestones, but also realizing, hey, Pam, like at the end of the year, I had a call finally with like a tax specialist and an accountant who were telling me that, you know, you could probably allocate XYZ on three team members if you wanted to. And I just, I had no sense of what that looked like. And I didn't really, I was just in the grind. Right. And so now this year we have a team, we, I have resources, I have a work-life balance. I've given myself a schedule, you know, and you know, revenue, we did see a dip in revenue from last year to this year, but also the industry shifting. And, but now I have time to look up and look at the shifts that, okay, Instagram was taking off last year not taking off, but Instagram was a huge platform for influencer marketing last year. And so was YouTube. And then this year, TikTok just came out of nowhere and blew it out of the world. And so we can now shift and pivot. But I feel like the last year was necessary for me to A, know what my limit was in terms of what I could actually handle and B, understand what could actually happen You know, if you put your head down and you grind it out and you work because a lot of people think, oh, Pam's traveling and she's, you know, always eating out and always doing this. But, you know, social media and everything. People don't understand the work and the sacrifices mm-hmm. that I've had to make to get to where I am now and how hard it, how hard it is. Because even as lucrative or as, you know, wealthy as you can be, you can be going through some deep depression. And, yes. you know, there are times where I've struggled with that, where I've not wanted to wake up in the morning because I'm like, I know what's in my inbox. I know what I have to do. And I just can't get through it because it was just like treading water, like treading water. But 
it was the best thing that happened to me. I mean, one of the most challenging things, but I think it was necessary because now this year I found my balance and I understand that it's not all about work (laughs) too, that, you know, there's things outside of work, like, you know, friends and family (laughs) and, you know, dating and like, you know, that work is great and it's good to put it all in there, but balance is better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can put our wellness at the center of our success. We can take care of ourselves and be successful in our work. But, you know, when you're passionate, it's very hard to pay that price because your passion fuels you beyond the hours, right? Into the vacation time, all of that. And same thing. I had been there where I was working long hours and it finally got, and part of what helped me, it wasn't just that I was getting to the point of burning out or that I was even coming to like E, it was more so of that. I knew that I was not fulfilling so many other parts of the business that I, I is when I started looking at those different roles too. Like how can I, and there's a phenomenal book out there, Free Time by Jenny Blake. You know, I talked about this for a quick second. And one of the things that I love that she outlines is number one, as a founder of a business, you need to have time to think. Sure do. You need to be able to look at the business and the industry. You need to be creative. You need you have to do that. But when you are bogged down with the day-to-day grind of the business and not just the grind, but like just true responsibilities, all the things that, you know, it takes, you're not given that creative space where your mind can go into a diffused space so that you can be more creative. Like so one, we need that founder time. But the other mm-hmm. thing that I think is so like interesting and it's a growth moment for all of us who who run our business and and as founders again it takes time to be able to do this but when you have a tiny team and you find people you trust for you to be able to delegate gives you more time to go back to your genius zone a hundred percent right between having my designated time and having a she calls it a delightfully tiny team (laughs) who can carry some of those things that still need to be done but don't need to land on me between those two things oh my goodness it it also brings the joy back into the work that you're most passionate about a hundred percent and you have to get to that place though because that was a hard place for me to get to where i was okay letting go of things because I'm such a perfectionist and I, you know, mild case of OCD, I'm sure self-diagnosed, but I'm such a perfectionist where as a founder, you have to understand that no one's going to do it like you do. And even if you find someone that does it at 70, 80 or 90%, that that's good enough because that's going to free up all this other time for you to focus on other things because not everybody's going to be perfect and not everybody's going to do it, but the way you do it. But if you find people that you trust and that care Mm -hmm. and that are also a part of your care about the purpose too, of like what you're doing, why you're, what you're doing, which I think is how we hire even our team is like, you can be qualified, but I need you to care about what we're doing and the work that we're doing, because that is going to drive you those days that you're tired and you're like, Oh, I don't want to do this. But when you have your clients say, Hey, like we doubled revenue this year, I'm so happy I can buy this house. Or now I can support my family. Or now I can hit these milestones. Like that is what fills me. And that is what drives me. And you can only like you can only do so much by yourself and you have to understand that you have to like lean on other people. And that's a, that's a hard place to get. But once you get there, you free up so much mental space. Mm -hmm. So much, so much. So I love that you are very thoughtful about hiring people who care because you are in a space 
where your clients are likely chartering the unknown. And so you have to be there as their champion and their guide and their sounding board and, and all of that. And I know by being a woman of color and, and being a solopreneur for a very long time that I didn't, it was so frustrating just not knowing what I wish that I knew. One, in regards to pay, like, what should I be charging? I have no idea what I should be charging. And also just having access to knowledge. Like I didn't have anyone in my circle who was doing what I was doing. So it was very hard for me to know, like, how does this measure up against competition? Right. And so I love that you all are are doing that with care and and with attention because the gig economy, right? This creator economy, it's very uncertain. I mean, you can be all over the place. So what kind of advice do you give influencers and creators as they're trying to find out like how do I price myself or and and I again I guess I'm telling on myself I love TikTok I'm on TikTok all the time (laughs) It it is absolutely an outlet for me but there was this girl who was sharing her receipts you know she was sharing like what she was getting paid. And I also with, with my speaker circle and especially as I was like growing, I really felt like transparency was probably the biggest thing that helped us understand because sometimes you don't know your value because you may be dealing with limiting beliefs, right? You're doing, a, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that comes into play on how we show up, but there's a difference between knowing my value and also like, no, 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 no. Retracting, knowing my worth, really that's what it is. Sometimes I don't know my mm-hmm. worth, but if you mm-hmm. see the value that you deliver, that's the trip. That's the play on words. I love that we're thinking this out loud. Hey, dear listener, thanks for listening a lot. But right, right, right. Like, because we do, we get tripped up on like, I don't know my worth, or maybe my worth has been mm-hmm. diminished based on whatever. But the value is you filling a need that is necessary for whatever that client that you're serving would have you. So at this point, I'm rambling a little bit. Thanks for sticking with me. But how how do you help them to find their value, even if that worth, you know, mindset, not knowing their worth is kind of getting in the way? I love all of that that you just said. Because <laughs> Even, I feel even like the fumbling part, Pam? <laughs> even that, because like I was following you the whole way. <laughs> I was yeah. here for the ride. And there's so many things there to take the first piece of like understanding your value. I feel like that's always, or your worth, that's always interesting because a lot of, for me, I had the insight because I was on the brand side. So I knew across the board what the budgets were and what we were offering and what deals we were closing. So what I was like, what I decided to do was to share that wealth of knowledge with the clients that I read on. But what I was also seeing to your point was that there's no, there's, there's a lack of transparency, even within the creator community, right? Because people don't want to share their rates. People don't, because then people are embarrassed. And even not just in the creator community, but even as a professional, like yes, yes, I would yes. have friends that wouldn't tell me what they were making. And I wasn't really sure if I was over, like you can, you can do a lot of research. You can look into see what certain roles are like, definitely do your homework. Cause I feel like there's knowledge and there's a wealth of knowledge on the internet. However, I think pay transparency overall is necessary across all industries, the creator community as a professional, like the more, you know, the better everyone else is off. Like it, because it's, it's just like, why hold that information? Like, because you're embarrassed, but like, think about the greater good that that could, that could like, think about what the impact that could have. Right. Someone's like, Oh my God, your salary is almost double mine. I didn't even think I was worth that. Or I didn't know that this company would pay me that. Like, and it's, it's, it's like, just share the information, right? I always shared with all of my friends, girlfriends, male colleagues, like what I was making, we would talk about it. 
And then that would be like, all right, let me keep that nugget of information for my next negotiation. Let me Mm -hmm. just keep that in my pocket, right? I think it's important. And then on top of that, I think it's, I tell my creators all the time, how do you create a business outside of, you know, what you're, what you're doing, right? So let's think about you have an Instagram page, you have a hundred thousand followers or whatever that case is. How do you create community off platform, right? Maybe start a blog, yes. bring your audience over, right? To your, create a newsletter. How do you take them? Because if worst case scenario, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, go out of business, that's probably not going to happen. But if it does, what what are you going to have? Create a platform outside of these social verticals where you have your own audience, you have your own community, create a newsletter, create community. Because that's really what people or brands want. And then outside of that, how do you create a business outside of, you know, the brand partnership deals, which are great, working with different brands. That's awesome. But let's say, you know, jewelry is something you're really passionate about. You get a lot of asks on your necklace or your earrings. How do you find a way to create conversion within those categories, right? All right, let me partner with XYZ jewelry brand. Let me see if I can sell. Get to a place where you're like, oh, this can actually sell. How do I start my own? Let me look into... So it's like we work really closely with our creators on strategy and figuring out short-term goals, important, but also long-term goals. How do you create a business from this? Mm -hmm. You have the influence, you have the audience. Use your audience too as a focus group, right? Like that's such a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways we can, you know, go with this conversation. But I think overall, I think people need to talk more about money, period, blank, blank. And they don't. Yeah, absolutely. But we also know that that, that's not just a, as you mentioned, it's not just a thing in the gig economy. Although I think because there is, but so large of a scale, a range that it's very hard to say, where do I fit in this? Right. It's based on industry. It's also based probably on content type, also based on what your following is. There's so many different factors that play into this large range of what you could get paid. But in all fairness, to be honest, and knowing that that could help someone else, I think that that is in service to, you know, the greater good. As a matter of fact, I have a story. There's this uh, speaker. She shared that because we both learned from her experience. She quoted a client. Well, I think it was like $5,000 to speak at an event. And uh, she knew somebody else who was speaking at the exact same event, a gentleman who was in her orbit. Well, you know, I'm not saying they're friends. I think that they just knew each other enough to share that they were going to be at the same event and also felt comfortable sharing what they were getting paid. He asked for 10. He got 10. She asked for five. She got five. Not sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to know what to ask for. (laughs) Even then, even then it helps Mm -hmm. because they were literally presenting on the exact same stage, same day, same audience. And there he was making double the money she was. A hundred percent. And I think a good indicator is if you give a number and they say, yes, that's always a good indicator that, okay, next time I'll go I'm asking for more. And then, yeah. And then keep asking for more until someone's like, eh, I can't. And then, you know, it's always about the negotiations. Like, all right, this is my rate, but like, I want to work with you. Right. How, and there's a psychology behind negotiations, but it's like understanding, like, keep going up until someone stops you, right? Yeah. Because you never know how much you could be making. She could ask her 20, they might've given her 20, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they met her at her rate. That's what she asked for. So it's not like, I don't know, the company, unless their company's big on like, we want to make sure everyone's getting paid equal, which a lot of times doesn't really happen. But if you're meeting someone's rate, then at least you're meeting someone's rate. Like Correct, because like, what the company is usually thinking about is the budget, not what your rate yeah. is. So if we were able to get everybody under the budget, then that then they're happy. 
but hundred percent, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is, again, it comes down to, to transparency, being willing to share. I think there's a huge value in that. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, friend, I know you are doing phenomenal work. I mean, there are so many who are going to benefit from, from all that you do. So thank you because what I have found as a speaker and I have a manager and she is a godsend. Absolutely. Is one of the things that helped me to really understand my value was to not be in the negotiations because my heart was too connected to the yes or the no. And I wanted to actually decrease the number just to get the yes. And I, I knew that I needed to separate myself from that negotiation. I needed to trust someone to speak on my behalf who really saw my value. And it wasn't, they weren't, they didn't feel the impact of my mindset tied to my worth. Right. (laughs) And so they, so, so having someone who can facilitate that conversation on your behalf and be your champion completely changes the dynamic of that work because you are not so connected to it. And you know that you have someone who is that advocate for you. So I celebrate you, Pamela, you are doing really, really good work for a, a beautiful group of humans who need that support because they're not protected by any kind of, you know, employment that everything is like forever moving and changing. And so just know that like, you really are doing a huge service to these group of humans. And, and I'm grateful that you've decided to take that leap of faith. And I know that you're going to have so much success and tremendous blessings following you on this journey. So thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing everything that you're doing. How can people find you and connect with you? Thank you so much for those kind words. I could cry. (laughs) I mean it. I mean it. Everybody plays a role. Everybody plays a role. And and this is needed too in the world. (laughs) I really appreciate that. That's so sweet of you. It's nice to stop from the hustle and bustle and have a conversation with like someone very similar to me to remind, you know, us why we're doing the things that we do, because it's so easy to get, you know, we're passionate, but we kind of get caught up in the grind. We all get caught up in the grind. So I appreciate that. Everyone can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram, Pamela Zapata or society18.com is our company. Thank you so much for the support. Really, really appreciate you. Absolutely. All right. You know where to find her. Go connect, especially if you are a creator, if you're in this influencer world, always good to have solid representation and have someone on your side so you can just show up and do what you do best. So thanks for being with us on another episode of In the Details. Again, I'm your host, Karen Allen, and I will see you next time. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.